three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to Humanistic Perspective. I am, as always, I'm your host, Chad Castilla, and today I'm joined with... Nick Mazouk. Oh, Nick Mazouk. I was doing my own intro. All right. One of my longtime friends and uh, now employees. Thank you. Thank you for joining the team, homie. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, no, I'm glad we get to sit down like this. I wanted to take the time. I'm, I'm sure you guys will be hearing him a lot more on the show, um, but we're, we're just going to talk it out. How have you been? What's going on? It's pretty pretty good, man. I just uh, you know, uh, talk about just early. getting back into town. Just right? getting back into town. Yeah, I just moved back uh, from uh, Philadelphia, uh, back home to you know, be working with you guys here at a uh, uh, Prismatic. Yes, Prismatic, Prismatic Site Management. Management. Yes. Uh, so I'll be doing that now. Uh, took a twelve-hour car ride back on a Saturday. That was long as hell. <laughs> that was a super long drive. So what what first drew you out to PA? Uh, I think it was like mid quarantine, and I was kind of just like, "There's not really a lot going on right now." Mm-hmm. And a buddy of mine was going up to school, uh, up near Pennsylvania, and he was like, "Hey, yeah, I'm moving out there." And we were out at drinks, and I was like, "Hi, oh, I should move in with you." And then, like two weeks later, we had an apartment. <laughs> yeah, we had an apartment like two weeks later. So I was like, "All right." So I just kind of went out there, just transferred. I was working at Coles, so I just transferred over to the Coles uh, out there. And then, yeah, just went out to work, did online classes, luckily, like, you know, with everything going on. Did you explore the be... area a lot? Yeah, I tried my best to. Every, a lot of things were, like, still kind of closed down, so it wasn't, like, the most you could do. And also, my roommate was, like, doing work and school, so sure. his free time was a lot, especially with master-level classes, his, his time was a lot less flexible than mine was. But, 100%. like, on my own, I, there's, a, there's, like, the super haunted jail out there called Eastern State. Uh, Whoa! Did and, you go there? Oh yeah, I went absolutely. Um, took what, a tour. Was it haunted for you? I didn't get the haunting I was hoping for. But <laughs> okay, it, it, okay. it is apparently super, super haunted. Like they really? would like this. It's called Eastern State Penitentiary, and it, it kind of is where we get the word penitentiary from. Uh, how long like, was it? Like how long does it date back? Oh god, like eighteen hundreds, like Charles Dickens Shit. era. Like Charles okay. Dickens came to America and saw them. And like like a penance, you know, like when you're saying like, oh, you you need to be penitent or gain penance for something you've done, like be sorry. It they comes would, from this place. It comes from this place. Like we get they uh, well, like that word became penitentiary, like trying to rehabilitate, quote unquote. They didn't really rehabilitate them. Yeah, no. They would like <laughs> so Charles Dickens comes to America, and sees prisoners hung by shackles from the sides of the wall in negative degree weather being hosed with water and watching icicles form on their skin oh, and like be dragging wow. and peeling out their skin. And he basically went back and said, I could write any horror story I ever wanted to. Nothing will ever come close to the horrors that, that I witnessed I when it. I went to go see this jail. Holy shit. Yeah, just imagine hanging from the side of a wall and someone's like pouring water on you to watch the icicle like and freeze. And it's actually like it, at that point it burns. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like their skin's peeling off, you're burning. Like 100%. That's, that's hypothermia to the highest degree. I can't even imagine. Like, you know when it's like negative 20 here and you lick yeah. your lips outside and you're like... <sighs> They just start freezing. Like when it, like your eyelids start feel, oh, your eyes start yes. feeling dry. Your your eyelashes get like frozen and stuff. That's the worst. Not just imagine someone's hosing you. Down. Yeah, during that process too. By the way. Oh my god, that's hellish. Oh. I'm just glad. I'm so were you back there during the, the day or? I was there. I got there at like six and it was still sunny. But by the time I left, it was like super dark out. So I'd be uh, like, it's on a tour kind of thing. Like you go on with an audio tour. Okay. And Straight. I was doing that. And so when everyone's doing the tour, I'm trying to, like, hold back. And, like, they had jail cells open that you can go sit in, like, some of these cells. And I'd just be like, anybody here? Anybody want to anybody wanna poke me? Anybody want to say boo? No? 
Right. Al Capone had a cell there. They have there like, too. He, he had, had a, one at Alcatraz he, too. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Had He's there. famous, Chicago. man. <laughs> he uh, they they refurbished it to look just like it did back in the day. So like it's old school. Like there's an old radio that plays old music in there. Wow. Super fucking creepy, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I literally was just trying to go like anywhere I could and just be like, anybody. Want Did you bring a camera for that experience? Did you record? I, I had it? some. I have some clips from it. Yeah, okay. like I do. But I was definitely just like, somebody want to haunt me? Please, anybody, give me something. Yeah. Okay. And I just drove home. But it, it was. <laughs> it's it's very cool to see, like architectural wise, and just like all the history behind it. Super right. cool. Which is so funny because they focus a lot on like the prison stuff, like the people that were there, and then like towards the end they had like a. The, the the difference between like incarcerated like people of color versus white people and like okay. how it affects them but, and then the his, the haunting is this much on the tour but then you talk to anybody in the area and be like oh yeah it's super haunted like there's a big haunting about it but on the tour it's like oh is it haunted do they Probably. offer nighttime tours they did before covid but that was shut down because of covid interesting penhurst there was another one up there that's super haunted they were doing nighttime tours it was like 10 30 to like three or four thirty in the morning but that was like a hundred something dollars for the overnight Whoa. and i was like i would spend it but like i was like i kind of want to do that with somebody i don't want to just go by myself and like with a random group of people like i'd rather at least have somebody i knew yeah and again for me it was always busy so i was like all right all right i'll just do eastern state for the time being <laughs> which is fine like it was fine it was cool but yeah like everything else like, i didn't really do downtown philly traffic is horrid really in philly it's so bad so i didn't like do you know, the like old colonial Liberty Bell kind of all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, going to the stairs were rocky. Yeah, it's just, yeah, exactly. It's all very, I did, I drew, I drove by that when I was okay. going to Eastern State. But um, yeah, it's all very just kind of like with everything being shut down and everything being the way it is, it's very uh quiet. So I was like, mm -hmm. I, 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 do, I do as much exploring as I can. But right. for the most part, it was like go to work, come back home, like do Work school. on some creative process. Exactly. Do, do some writing that I'm trying to do at the time. And then uh, go to bed and then just restart the whole process the next day. <laughs> I wanted to maybe get into and share and give you some time to share, like, talk a little bit about, like, your creative process. Like, after you finished high school, like, all the phases you've gone through. Because, yeah. like, I feel like you're, like, a jack of all trades when it comes to, like, media and, like, creating it. Whether that be writing or, mm -hmm. like, graphic work or, like, video work. Like, yeah. what, what was sort of, like, when did you get into that? How did you oh, get into man. that? Why did you get into When it? I was a kid, I remember my brother and his friends uh, for like school, you would have projects and you can make videos like for like reading and like for books, you can make a video on like a book report or something. Okay. I just saw them making these videos all the time on stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. So like I started doing that like with my cousin and my, my buddy back at the time, we just started making videos. Um, and then when school came, yeah, I was making like videos for school and all that jazz. And, uh, and so that was like, that was just me wanting to like record and be stupid looking like i remember watching one like maybe a couple months ago like one of the earlier things mm -hmm. oh, I hate what it. were you recording on at the time oh my god like some very small handheld camera <laughs> like just this like the just, oldest grainiest looking thing you could possibly imagine <laughs> looks like an old like mp3 phone it's like it's like a little rectangle and then you flip out the screen like that oh so it was yes. one of those old like yeah had a tripod everything just set it up yeah, and then I'd go on my my old old like two thousand and six Mac iMac. Wow, you had that iMac. Yeah, and then that was our main family computer, and so right. I'd go on and you know iMovie, just very simple editing. And then you see any effects tab, and as a kid, you go, "I'm gonna put all the effects in it just to make <laughs> it look cool." And I mean, I got A's on all my projects. Was it was it quality wise good? No, but did I stick to what I needed to do? Kinda. Yeah. Um, and so that that was like a big. 
thing. I think I was doing theater also just from an early age, and my mom got me in it just because, you know, she's like, you need to focus your energy because that's just what we call undiagnosed ADHD. <laughs> and, um, and But, I, you know, I, I loved it. I loved performing for the longest time, and, you know, and then we did high school shows together. Yeah. And then I got to college, and I did a big college thing. And a very interesting thing about I always felt like being in the process, and I still like think is like college versus high school. Like high school, you want to like do a good show, obviously, because nobody wants to like be bad. Nobody wants to do a bad performance and stuff. Right. But um. But like you're kind of mostly there for friends and like mostly to hang out, hang around, like do whatever because it's fun. But you're doing it more because it's fun with people instead of just like. I want to put on a good show. Yeah. College is very like, we are here to put on a good show. Like you have friends, like you talk to beforehand and all that jazz, but like you are there. No, like, now it's like some people are trying to do this professionally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I obviously like I had a, I had a degree, I was going for a degree in musical theater. So I'm like, yeah, I'm here for a reason. But like, I also like trying to chill every now and then like, sure. hang out. and you did like, we go get food afterwards and stuff and hang out like after rehearsals. Cause our rehearsals were 6 PM to 10 PM, like every night. Nice. So excuse me, we would have a, like super late night dinners just after rehearsal. We were just right. so tired. Um, and then you do like the 12 hour days on the weekend before the show opens, right before tech week, Saturday and Sunday are 12 hour rehearsals. Sure. So I was like, Oh God, this is, this is so long. But, um, I don't know. After that, I just kind of remember like, I like the show. I like, I had a decent part. Consider I was like one of the only two male leads and I was a freshman. Sure. And I was like, like, this is dope. Yeah. And then I just remember like feeling off about it, I guess, and I kind of was like, I don't know if I want to go back into performing, uh, like yada yada yada. And uh, I remember seeing La La Land that year, funny enough, and I remember like, okay, I still want to do arts, I just don't know what I want to do, but like, I right. know I want to do something. And then 2017, I remember I was doing some just community theater show, and they always like, you've you've probably heard it too, where they say like, oh, the minute you stop getting nervous about going on stage or something, get out because you've like lost the spark and everything. I just remember going on opening night, and I was like. I really could care less about going on stage right now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn. So that was kind of like. Your headspace was just ready was just, to be in this. Totally new. different. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, but then I got, I didn't know what at that point. And I was just like, man, I don't know what I want to do. Like, what do I want to do? So I remember I, I was going through like some stuff then too. And I remember 2018, I transferred to ISU for that semester just to like get away from home. And it cause like Naperville is what? 40 minutes from right. us. You, you just needed a, yeah. like so a I went reset an hour for 40 from us. And, um, and I just remember being out there and I was kind of like not really focusing that well in my classes just with everything going on, but I did the radio station down there. So mm. I loved like just going to radio and talking and blah, 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 blah. But I remember I was sitting up one night because I had an early radio shift and I was like afraid I'd oversleep and miss it because it was For like sure. 7 a.m. So I remember like I was like, I'm going to stay up all night, leave at 6 to get there because I the buses didn't start running until 7. And my apartment style dorm was on the complete opposite end of campus. So like here's me. And like, here's the radio station. So I had to walk through the snow and like negative degree weather to get to my radio station in the morning. But I was like, oh, I'll stay up. I'll just watch a bunch of YouTube, like, you know, drink, eat, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, well, not alcohol, it's just like drinking water or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. And somebody had told me like, oh, you know, Donald Glover, Thomas Gambino had this uh, short film that he had made like way back in the day during the era of like because of the internet. And I was like, oh, yeah, dope. Like, I'll probably check that out. And I remember watching it and like, I'm not like sure what feeling I got. Okay. But like... I just remember during that time, I just felt like very lost. And I remember watching this short and it's called Clapping for the Wrong Reasons. And it's kind of on the idea in the song 3005, there's a line where he says, I have a house full of homies, why I feel so the opposite. And through the whole short, you're basically just seeing like 
people are just coming in and out of his house doing their own thing there's this girl that's walking around the mansion. He's like, who are you? Like, how would you even get here? Like, you're this, not one of us. This play on, like... Uh, yeah, like, you have all these people surrounding you, and none of them are really fucking with you. Like, you, like he's bringing the money. You're getting money, and they're there because you're all getting money. But, like, is there really a connection outside of that? Right. And so clapping for the wrong reasons is basically he's performing this song, like, I'm so alone. And they're like, yeah, this song's so dope. But that's not the reason, like, you know. No one's seeing him. No one's seeing the reason he's making the song, saying these things. So I just remember that whole feeling, like, of him just being very alone and solitary. And I was, like, super connected with that. And I was Whoa. just, like, really, really inspired, oddly enough, from that. And I remember that night I downloaded just, or I went on, there was some free uh, screenwriting software online. And I just remember uh, plotting out, like, my first short film that night. And it... In retrospect, it is very similar to the short I had watched. <laughs> like, like I was trying to, like, get that same feeling, but, like, with my life. Like, I was focusing on stuff in my life, like, sure. very, very real life, like, situations, characters. I was, like, thinking, like, man, over the summer, I'd really love to film this. I still have not filmed it. Um, you have it, though? You still have the script, right? Oh, I have, like, I have 18 drafts of that script. There are 18 wow. drafts of that script. And I have... I can't wait to see what that becomes. Yeah, I that is like... That in my TV show, we'll get to the TV show, obviously, as, as we talk through it, but um, sure. th those are like... I need to focus very specifically on doing those myself because those are like like my babies, like, like my passion right. projects. Like I, I can write... I what you're saying. Yeah, like I have... I've written like 20-something shorts. I have like one I'm writing right now that I really like, but those are all like, oh, do I Do you could see yourself working on this project like I need to take a big sabbatical and do it like as one big time? Or are you like, if I just take fat chunks for like the next couple of years, like how do you see yourself like working on that project? With that one, it's just I want to like, I want to get to a draft. What's really funny about that short, actually, now that you mentioned that, I, I thought okay. about this the other day. When I first wrote it and where I was like just mentally and emotionally and everything, I, when I was writing the drafts, my character doesn't talk for the entirety of the script, like the character I based off myself. So it's a lot of other people kind of just talking and I'm just silent. And it was funny because as I rewrote it and as I like the healing happens throughout like time for what I was going through, I started writing my character talking more. And at first it was like, so it goes from like super quiet, like somebody, he's dating this girl at the beginning of it. And she's like, oh, let's do some stuff today. Stuff like blah, blah, blah. And he's just going, mm-hmm. Like, just very non-responsive, just kind of like, yeah, whatever, like, cool. And then the second iteration, not like, depression, and then I get, like, angry because I'm angry at everything. So then he's, like, lashing out at people. Like, they're, they're, it'll jump between, like, real life and this imagined scenario. And the imagined scenario, somebody's, like, trying to be like, hey, let's do something, and he snaps on them, but then it cuts back. It was just in his head. So right. now it's me getting angry. And then later, it was me actively, like, joking with people. So it was really cool. Like, as I started healing, the script really changed because it went from me, I couldn't feel like I could talk about it at all. And then later, now my character's enjoying and, like, laughing and having fun and all this stuff, which is weird because be so interesting from like a, a a viewer's perspective and a consumer perspective to watch the dichotomy of your emotional shift in your perspective as the writer of this script yeah, yeah. and how that affects the characters that's so cool which is so funny too because like i don't know where the script's gonna go at this point too because when i wrote <laughs> it i wrote it because i'm like i'm fucking depressed and i feel alone right and you're and like so okay I'm, that's definitely where the pinpoint is yeah, for the ending it was very much like i felt alone it was like going through a loss and i think i had wrote I, the, the loss I was going through in the script is I think a, a friend of mine had committed suicide and it was coming like the friend was also me because I was coming off of a suicide attempt. And so it was like trying to write a conversation with myself about like what's going through my head. And uh, 
so through most of the script, the friend's there. No one else is interacting with this friend except me. And then at the end, you realize it's because I'm, I've just been imagining him the entire time, like not getting uh. over his loss. And so, yeah, as I write it now, it's still like, oh, I'll joke and talk with my friends. And especially with him, I'll try to be jokey. But then in like at the end of the script, I've rewritten the end like all the time. Um, I mean, 18 different versions of it, but it's always like kind of like trying to figure out how do you move on from the pain and how do you move on from all this stuff? And yeah, so it always changes. It's like no longer just like a super depressed emotion, like a sad thing anymore. So that's what like rewriting it all the time. I'm like, man, what do I want this to become now that I'm no longer in that headspace? Cause like, I still want to do something with it and like make it cool. Like that would be something I'd submit to the Oscars. Like for a short film, like send out to festivals. Like that's something I'm like really, really focused on. The the, like the one I said I was writing now is something I'd send to like Emmys for a short form thing. But like this short, I was like, I want to like, send this for like consideration and shit um it's kind of nice though too when we have those like two down months where we're like a lot lighter of work in january and february because yeah. maybe you could like yeah spend really some time out. just fucking working on that or like get an airbnb somewhere that like yeah. influences you creatively you know what sucks too is every writer does that they're like i lock myself away <laughs> oh, blah, i gotta blah. go to solitude i cannot work in a in a silent space so you would need to move to like a city for like rent an airbnb in a city or something like you I want don't, i don't even hustle know and bustle or like what's what is so it? funny is i would be in classes and it's so bad but i'd be in class and like he'd be like oh you can take notes on your laptop and stuff and especially i remember the one class it was like math and film i had uh spring of 2019 mm-hmm. uh and I would just sit at the back of the class. They don't really bother you. They're like, hey, if you're doing your work, you're doing your work. You're here to learn. And I remember I'd sit there and I'd literally be banging out stuff on a script. Like I need the, the idea that I should be doing something uh, that I'm not doing is a hella motivator to write. <laughs> like, oh, man, I want to write right now. What should I be doing? Uh, uh, long division? Too bad. I'm going to be All writing right. this script. And so Ooh, like I do so like cool. I've always thought about like just going to a random university and popping in on a lecture and then just sitting there writing while, like, everything's talking around me. Because, yeah, I know all these, like, writers. I, like, see, like, you know, Oscar-winning writers, all these movie directors. Like, yeah, I go and I lock myself away and I just sit and write. I go, I cannot sit by myself and write. Like, I love listening to music when I do. I love listening to music to get ideas to write. But listening to music when I write is a little harder. I do like just the sound of people talking. It's very weird. There's a, you and Ethan parallel on this identically mm-hmm. literally we we get up in the morning and he'll be like hey let's go let's go to grace let's go to panera or something because he's like i can't focus at the house it's too quiet here yeah. he's like first there's something about like having an atmosphere in a space yes that keeps keeps him motivated absolutely that's so unique yeah hmm. so that would be what i'd be spending my time I'm, in class I'm the doing. opposite like to write i'm like okay now I'm going to turn on, like, classical music. I'm mm-hmm. going to make sure that my head isn't busy. Turn off the phone. No notifications. There can't be anything. And even, like, I try and turn on dark mode on Word. So I, like, like I don't know. I'm very much Oh, that's like, what I write in when I have, like, final draft up. I have it on dark 100%. mode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, that's so funny, too, because, like, sometimes I'll try to write to music, and rarely will I do. But it's never the same music twice. Like, I could be in a headspace, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll listen to lo-fi and write or blah, 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 blah. I'll go back to lo-fi the next day and I hate it. Like I, like, I can't write to it, so I have to find something else. Yeah. So I'll be going like, oh, you know, the band Chicago, I'll be listening to Boston, I'll be listening to lo-fi, I'll be listening to rap. It's never the same thing twice, and I don't know why I can't just, like, focus mm. on one thing. Um, well, I know why I can't focus on one thing, but... Uh, <laughs> Shout-out ADHD. Shout ADHD. But, um, yeah, and then so that's when I started... Um, like write. That's when I was really like, this is what I want to do. Like, so I then wanna, you bridged into the writing yeah. side. So I, I very much focus on the writing side, and also like I think, I think every writer wants to be a director in a sense. I mean, some writers probably are mm. like, yeah, I can like 
write and just sell my stuff. But like when I write, um, it's, it's a, kind of like a baby almost. Like it, is. it feels like there's so much emotional passion oh, packed into it. Especially with those early things that I was writing, it was like literally how I, cause like, I think you remember, like I put a lot of the poetry on my uh, Instagram. Yeah. Like I would write like the little poetry stuff I put. And that was like a very, like just, I'm going through something I need to like express it some way. So those early drafts of what I was writing, like, I probably have it somewhere on some hard drive, uh, but the original draft of my pilot script for my show mm-hmm. is like I was trying to be like I want to make it a dramedy, like it's funny but it's like depr- like sad at the same time, blah blah blah, because I wanted it to be a comedy. But yeah, that first draft was so dark, like it was just so sad. Like I try to be funny with it, like with a ver- like vocal comedy and like verbal comedy, like with words, mm-hmm. not really with a lot of actions and stuff. Because like I remember opening up the scene in my pilot script for the TV show. Cause I started writing the TV show at your house in, in, in wow. Ohio in that summer. Yeah. I bought when that you little came down to the, the little, uh, the mansion we were yeah, housed in. I bought for. this here and everything about my show is in this uh, little journal. I'm still writing in it obviously, but like sure. every, there is even looking back at the beginning, there are some characters that aren't in it anymore. Some things I've changed, like some episode descriptions are totally different from what I'm writing now, which is these note cards right here are probably the most updated versions of it. But yeah, like everything's in that journal. And that first draft I had written. Um, We're going to have to, Prismatic Media will have to produce this out. Oh, totally. Um, you know? <laughs> I, I'm put down. the resources to I'm it, down, you know man. what I'm saying? Uh, and then you just direct have, the whole have project. A of, have a proof of concept of it at least, yeah. Yeah, literally. Um, but yeah, that first version I opened up because there was like a suicide I remember that had happened when, when we were in high school and of some kid. And I remember that's where the first episode starts at. Okay. Which it was very focused on that in the early, early, early drafts. Not as much anymore. It's there, but it's not like the main focus of it anymore. But um, sure. it was like opening up like, you know, shots of empty hallways, all quiet and dark. And then a shot of like a mortuary where it like just zooms in on the coffin and then cuts to the title and then cuts into everything else. And it was all people being sad. It is no longer uh, like uh, that at all anymore. <laughs> it is so I, I open up on the Puget Sound in Washington, sitting on a bench overlooking the water with my character's future wife. That is how the show opens now. now. It is no longer Holy depressing. Shit. Yeah, I don't know how it got there, but it did. Which is funny because I didn't start writing the show until after I'd gone to the Puget Sound. Because I'd gone there, then started like really writing the show. And then somehow I was like, yeah, I don't want to open this on something dark anymore. I'm just going to open this with, I think the whole show is now like a, uh, the whole show is told as a series of vows to my character's wife. Like, oh, you know, like the idea, like all these things had to happen in order for us to meet. And so the show is, is Mm. basically going through this character's life and saying, Hey, here are things that happened. It's like a, how I met your mother, except it doesn't drag on for nine seasons. Hell yeah. It is. I have a definitive five (laughs) seasons of a story I want to tell plus a movie. And then. Yeah, and then after that, I'm done. Like I'm like, I will, I will not drag this on longer. And than that project's go. good. I hate. I I could not write like Mad Men. Like, dude, so many. Like, yeah. I think it's like twelve seasons deep. Yeah. The twenty Office. episodes a season. Yeah, I could not. I like, which is why I like like a lot of serialized dramas now. Which like, especially like The Crown. Crown has a story. It's done after season six. I was like, good, awesome. I was gonna ask for your creative process do you learn like like the theory of writing and like how to tell a story and all that do you learn because you just listen and watch a lot of content and then mirror it or have you like taken classes where you had to read books that like physically told you this is how we do this process or like what how what how did you like learn those skills for someone who might be as younger mm-hmm. and or is it a blend of both i don't know Go ahead. i i um do you know what i'm saying like no the, absolutely yeah uh i i'm i haven't gone to like school for film like i think I'm hoping to do that in the fall. 
uh, like go to film school up at DePaul. But uh, so I haven't really done like a lot of theory books and all that. It really is like just the idea of like just keep writing. And of course, like I, I watch so much, and a lot of that informs what I do. Like it, like I remember over the summer last summer during quarantine, or like at least in March when everything was like going to hell. Um, I was in a place with my show where I was very unhappy with it because mm-hmm. it was still in that dramedy kind of style of it. And I was kind of like, I'm not like, I feel like something's wrong with it. And I didn't know what it was. And I watched the show Community finally from uh, that had like Donald Glover and um, Donald Glover. That's it. He's um, a big influence in your a, life. He's the biggest influence in my life. Um, but I remember finally watching that and I was just like, my show can just be fun. Like, I don't need to, like, I, it can have serious moments, but I was like, but this is just fun. And like, I loved watching it because it was so like, just fun like it didn't it wasn't it was serious when it could be it told like the messages it needed to it did not need to be like depressing as hell so i was like you know what like and then i finally that's when i finally like went back to it and i started like using these note cards to really plan out other stuff and i was like i just want to make it fun i just want to make it ha- like funny it could be serious because obviously there are serious themes like season five is is still going to be dark as hell like mm-hmm. it's not not necessarily dark but i feel like there is a style of the way the show is shot and then season five happens and I'm just going to do whatever I want with it. Like there's oh. a haunted house episode. There's a very meta, like just me in a glass house in like a very blank white space mm. episode. So like everything kind of just goes whatever I want to do in season five. Cause I'm like, well, mm, if I have enough good ratings and viewings up until this point, I'm gonna do whatever I want to do. And then I can just show that like, I can just be creative. The haunted house one is mostly a test for me. Cause I really want to write a horror movie one day. And cool. I want to just be like, can I do this? Can I make a good haunted episode that scares people? And then if it works, then I'm like, all right, let's, let's see how this movie goes. Yeah, it's sort of like a, it's like a, a deck of ideas and saying yes. like, what what would people be really interested in and what could I expand Absolutely. on? Absolutely, that's exactly what my the last season of my show is. It's really all these different styles that aren't just comedy. It could be like rom-com or serious. Or- who's, who's your cinematography influences, like shots and how they direct Ooh. in that that regard? directing one yeah not not even like it doesn't even have to be the same script you don't even have to like the show but like you love the cinematography work oh man um i should probably be better about cinematographers but i, I know a lot of cinematographers and directors work hand in hand sure like with because they, they do you have like a project then that maybe like the work I that's done love and this is probably just so very like obviously i love Donald short film, uh, um, clapping for the wrong reasons, directed by Hiro Murai, and he who does mm-hmm. a lot of Donald stuff. He's he's just wonderful. Like I I've watched the Vanity, um, uh, notes on a scene thing with him, and he talks about all the stuff that goes into the episode in Atlanta that he had shot. Wow. And so like the thought that goes into that, um, Bong Joon Ho, who did Parasite. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't seen I, that yet. I was watching a thing on like all the level that. of detail that went into that show, and like all these like recurring themes, and I'm like, man. Like that is like he thinks the best. People, He's like playing chess yes, when he creates. The best people have so much, and that's such a funny thing too. Like I wouldn't say I'm anywhere near their level, but when I write, sometimes I'll be writing something, and I'll be writing it down, and I unknowing re- realize I've just made something that I can connect back to a bunch of different other Whoa. things I've written. So I go, I totally did that on purpose, a hundred percent. I write it down really quickly. Like don't fucking forget that shit because. It's so interesting because I think this is the process in a director or creator's life cycle that gets missed because usually they people know them once they're finally discovered, but 
this is the real work it takes in order for like, like I'm thinking about like a uh, good example is like Harry Potter and that series, like all those things like you just said where you're like, oh, I wrote this. And then I'm like, yeah, I definitely meant to connect that. But yeah. then you really, it just is by chance, like yeah. the process you're creating is doing it. Yeah. Something that's so interesting, I think, to see now and that, that bridging period. Yeah. Hmm. Plot for anybody out there who might be a writer, if you're randomly watching this, none of us know what we're doing. Nobody goes in with a fully fleshed. We are constantly rewriting, redrafting. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. Yes. I literally, Michaela. I send stuff to people and even just in the business world, I'll send stuff to fucking people. And I'm still like, I would redo that right now. Absolutely. There's a, there's an interview with Michaela Cole and she wrote the show called I May Destroy You on HBO. Phenomenal. Love her to death. Um, she was on with Colbert and she literally said before she starts every new show, she Googles how to write a TV show. I swear to God, <laughs> I Google how to format a script every time I start a new episode. I've written like five episodes of the show so far. Not all in order. They're in different seasons. But every time I go back, oh, how do I write this again? How do I format this? I don't I'll know do what I'm doing. Too. But I, I still like, I know what I want to write. And it's just, right. it's finding a way to get that onto paper because... It's like, especially just with how my mind works, like everything's kind of like, it's there, it's on a cloud. And I'm like, all right, condense the cloud. Get that one yes. thing you're trying to do yes, and then focus in on that. I'm that same way too. Like I'll, like the business plan we worked on, that was me taking like six templates that I found throughout my time in yeah. life and being like, I love this of this template and this of this template. And then using those as foregrounds for me to put what my real ideas are, mm -hmm. just so that way it has some sort of track to lean on. So it's not just like fucking random thoughts everywhere. Oh, I, absolutely. I totally get that. And I think on the same breath, what you had asked earlier, um, uh, yeah, it is really, I, yeah, I haven't read a lot of books on it. I've tried to start reading some and I've gotten some ideas from them, but like you can't really teach somebody how to write. Like you could teach True. formatting. Were you good at English though? Cause like oh, that's absolutely. something that I've yeah. just recently become mm, like a lot better at. Yeah. Oh say. no. I've always been very good at like writing, like storytelling has been my thing for like ever. Like even as a kid, Just we would do assignments. classes. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like English, I, I load up on English courses, uh, in high school and college just cause like, I just like writing and like doing writing stuff. And, um, but yeah, like the books are cool. Like you can teach formatting, but you can't really teach how to write a story. And that's why a lot of my influence, like what you were asking, comes from like watching other content. And I think cool. that is like Tarantino. God, I don't want to sound like I'm a Tarantino fanboy, but Tarantino, I'd said about like, What's your favorite work of Tarantino? Oh, God. I've only seen The Hateful Eight. That is, really? the only, that is the only movie I've seen all the way through of his. I've not seen any other like really stuff. Okay. No, I had a buddy yeah. try to show me and like he would quote a bunch of Tarantino. Okay. But I was also like, I can't get into this if you're just I'm, quoting. I'm a scene. Reservoir Dogs guy. That's fair. That is, I've seen clips of that one that the friend showed me. And I really do like that one. Um, like, I've seen bits and pieces. I've seen, like, bits and pieces of Inglorious Bastard, Kill Bill, yeah. uh, Pulp Fiction. But, like, the one I've only watched all the way through is I went to the theater with a couple of buddies and we just watched The Hateful Eight. And it was just so weird. And we just <laughs> left. We're like, okay, this is weird. Um, Have you seen The Once Upon a Time? No, I wanted to, but I never did. I always do this thing every year during the Oscars. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch all Best Picture nominees. Mm. I never do. Like, mm. I want to. So but I really want one day to be able to like just rent out a theater and just play them all. Cause, like, what now, are your thoughts on those award ceremonies? Uh, uh, the Oscars are getting better, I think, in recent years, just like with how they're... I think like after the, like the whole... You think they've been very exclusive beforehand? I, yeah, I think with the Oscars so white controversy is a big thing. And I think a weird thing they did, especially with like, with like 12 Years Slave and with the Green Book, a lot of the producing team and a lot of the people that like made the movie are white. 
So it was really weird to see these white people tell these stories about like people of color, like black people, like the slaves, or sure. uh, and then and Green Book, whole producing team of white people. I think Viola, not Viola Davis. Oh God, what's her name? Oh my God. If it comes back to you, yeah. If it comes back, I'll, I'll remember. But she was in the help with um, Viola Davis. I'll, I'll think, God dang, I can't believe really I forgot her name. But she was like the only person of color, like a black person, on that entire producing team. It was like wow. twenty white dudes on that stage and just her telling the story that they didn't even get right. They had written the script, showed it to the family of the guy, and they went, "This isn't how it went at all." And they went, "That's cool," and put it on anyway. So it's like I fucking hate when Hollywood does that. Yeah. So that's why when Parasite won Best Picture, we're all like, "Oh, that's amazing," because. An entirely Korean, yeah, entirely Korean um, film team, and and then now, like especially this year's like best actor category, I think it's only two white guys, and then every other uh, person is a person of color. It was like Chadwick Boseman, Riz Ahmed, Stephen Yun. Isn't Chad, um, Chadwick Boseman has passed, right? Yes, he did. But he's been winning all the best actor awards at these <laughs> shows, so this dude very well could win an Oscar for this role. And he's and he's and he's gone. That's sick. That's Which, sick. It's a sick. lot of people have been coming up in post mortem, like Juice World. He still has music coming out. Like with Benny, that new project that yeah, just dropped, there's tons of juice on that. Like it's so crazy. Like people moving on, but then like I can't, I can't. Their legacies keep keep on going. Like that happened with Michael too, with MJ when he passed. Like he oh, blew up. He sold way more records when yeah. he went. I, he had a couple good posthumous. He had the, the the two he did, Michael, and then the uh, Escape. Those were pretty good posthumous albums. Um, I could never get into Juice World. I never mm. I, like I like Lucid Dreams. There was a, maybe a feature or two he had that I really liked. I like him on uh, Monster with Eminem, yeah. but like or Godzilla with my Eminem. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll probably piss people off if they hear this. But like everyone's like Rip Juice World, you were taken from us too soon. I'm like I don't know, man. When you land a private plane and swallow a bag of Percocets because you don't want to get caught by the police and then have a seizure. I don't know if that's being taken too soon from us or if that was just a bad move on your part. Sure. But yeah, so when everyone's like, oh my God, rest in peace, you you were taken from us too soon. I'm like, I don't know, I think he just made a really bad choice and now he paid the consequences, unfortunately. Like, it's a damn shame, absolutely. Like, 100%. he was too young, but like, hey, maybe just take the jail time and don't swallow a bag of pills. I mean, right. we seen Charlie Sheen. That didn't work out. That man's pretty messed up. Oh, man, that guy is so yeah. messed up. You can get a cameo from him. Do you know that right that now? That is hilarious. Yeah. Is he, like, is he one of the more expensive cameos, or is he, like, a decent, like, I show don't, price? You know, that's a good question. I'd have to look at the price, but I've definitely seen compilations of him. I was going to say, if he's $100, he I like, will buy a cameo from him. Oh, Charlie my God, Sheen. it's so fucking funny. I saw one that he was, like... It looks like he's at like almost a country club in Florida around a hotel balcony in Florida. And it's like you could tell he just took like popped a couple painkillers, drank a mimosa and like that he's like, poor, hey, how are you? Happy birthday. That poor guy. I His dad is in the show West Wing I'm watching right now, uh, Martin Sheen. And it's just so funny watching Martin just be this very kind of normal. I don't know what he's like in real life, but like just at least he seems very composed in all the stuff he does. And then there's Charlie and he's just an absolute wild card he's doing whatever he wants to do sure man but i i res i respect people that do what they want to do yeah i like that yeah. I, I i mess with that but i mean we got we got the best you know meme of the 20s 21st century with the you know when he was on that news thing he's like yeah you know i i got tiger tiger blood and uh you know i'm winning all the time i'm like yeah charlie i'm so happy for you man you're high as hell right now but i'm mm -hmm. so happy for you mm-hmm <laughs> I think we're in such a interesting time because I feel like 
what what is Hollywood right now? Like, I, don't know. I I feel like it's mostly like thriving off TikTok right now. Like that that is such a oh my god TikTok TikTok is such. I'm not weird on thing. there. Have you been on it? I've never entered oh, the I interface. Am, I at am all. engrossed in TikTok. It is really. I I love the comedy that comes from TikTok. Mm. I think they're. Vine was cool in the sense like you had six seconds to be funny, yada, yada. I think the people that got famous and popular on Vine were not the funniest people on Vine. Like the ones that had like that big cult following, like King Batch and all that stuff. I was like, right. okay, like they're not that like, um, yeah, like they had like, okay stuff to them. But like, it was just more like, oh, this is just, we're rerunning popular What do you think things, it is but, about TikTok that makes it so successful? I have is it just a good AI? Do you think it's just the I think algorithm? I think I think the AI of like showing you recommended has been pretty good. Um I think cuz it's up to a minute. Yeah, you can do up to a minute videos. And I think that helps expand an idea cuz like skits are super popular, especially like the side or at least the side of TikTok I'm on. Like people do will do skits and like long running narratives. I love that. I think that's awesome. Um especially like what it's done for music. Like all these songs that are going number one on Billboard and all that probably would not have the same thing of TikTok was not like constantly playing these songs. Hundred percent. Well, there was there was a thing. Uh, Kevin Parker, uh, Tame Impala, was doing a thing, and his manager had sent him a thing that the less I know, the better went double platinum because of all the like stuff it had been doing with TikTok and all the people hearing it and going and playing it. Like it's really like boosted sales and boosted numbers of these random songs. It's but, really helping independent artists. Oh, absolutely, and that's that's amazing. I think, but then again, along with that comes. I feel like there are songs that are good, like musically, lyrically, like, you know, like really, really good songs. And I'm not trying to like smack on any art form either, but for sure, I feel like once you realize there is a formula and yeah, to make you it, you start to like really abuse it. Cause like, uh, like with the D'Amelio girls and like Addison Ray, they should not be making music. Not really. I don't How's think it sound generic generic mm. bubblegum pop it is mm. just the most formulaic they went and found songwriters that just is a catchy chorus i'm hoping there's a death to. in popular music God, I know. Which it is needs so a funny. new genre like you remember like you know the 70s 80s we had you know rock was a very popular genre yeah. and then it keep bridging then we had r&b we yeah. had disco we had all these other phases like where popular music is right now just like you said it's become too too regimented to a schedule Pop just meant popular, but then they went, oh, we can make that a genre. Right. And now it's like, well. And now it has a very, very thick form. And it's weird because the the pairing of social media mm -hmm. and all of these apps and other technologies mm -hmm. has quite literally enhanced this niche bubble of a certain type of sound and form. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'll definitely go on... Um like, I'll just be listening to the radio, and I can tell a song came from TikTok, like a TikTok artist. Like, they just blew up because they did those dances or whatever trends they were doing at the time. And they're like, I can make music. You can, but does it get the hype it deserves? Uh, I don't That's where I'm like, I don't know. I want to see more bands or more people playing the music. I do. It doesn't matter what genre to me. It could be rap. It could be trap. It could be yeah. R&B. It could be country. Whatever. Just I want to see more instrumental work. Being That's why done. I love Tame Impala. Just seeing Kevin Parker like do all these instruments and stuff. Especially, and yeah, even he's a beast. I I love musically. I love like three people just as of recent. Like just seeing their work. Like I love Charlie Puth. 
seeing how he actually makes his music and like the, the the theory he knows. Like the songs are pop, but like but you he's, see he's a good the producer. work he puts into it. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jacob Collier, I absolutely adore. Oh, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant theorist. I adore that man. I love. There, people will say like, I don't even consider him a musician. I just call him a theorist. Yeah. Like people say, oh, the minute you learn music theory, you get less creative. That man knows theory and is the most creative person I've ever <laughs> seen with theory. Like yeah. he is so incredible. He breaks that mold. That, this last album was amazing. Um, I'm, I'm going to see him in tour next year. We got oh, tickets for it. Sick. So I'm, I'm excited as hell. And then um, like Bruno Mars, Anderson Pack, especially with this like last song. They were talking like, especially like Bruno. Just in I general, listened to it. It was really good. So good. Uh, Bruno the layering and stuff he does with his instrumentals and like just the sound they create. Like oh, yeah. those are the people, you know, like they care about the music they're making. Sure. Where like it is like some of it's pop, some of it's in like with, with Bruno and Anderson's very R and B like soul style. Um, Jacob's like a form I respect of people who yeah. understand they need the radio banger in their mix up, but yes. they don't rely on it as their sound. Absolutely. Whereas I feel like a lot of the youngins now are banking on using a, like finding a, a formulaic single, yeah. song single yeah. and just riding on that flow. Which is funny. That's why I love Taylor Swift's last album mostly is because like there were songs I think they might have chosen and put on the radio, but like it was never... She didn't drop a single before the album. She just drops the albums and goes, all right, you choose the song that you want to hear off my album. And I think like a couple songs like went to the radio. But I love artists like that, especially like surprise drop albums are so fun to me because when the album just comes out, you don't have time to really say, oh, what's going to be the radio single? Because you've been hearing it for like six weeks, which I love Blinding Lights by the weekend, but that came out like what, three months before the album came out. So we already knew that was like one of the better songs on the album. But, like, I love an album that just drops, you have no singles from it, and then you get to go through and be like, all right, what's my favorite without any influence right. from what I've been listening on the radio? Because also a lot of times I'll listen to an album all the way through, and I'll want to skip the single that's been out. And I'm like, well, I've already been hearing this for the last couple of months, so I kind of just want to skip it. But, like, right. drop albums, I just get to pick and, like, listen all the way through and be like, right, what do I like about this? What do I like about this? And so that's really fun to me is when people are like, they don't rely on it, or maybe it's just because they're at a level they don't need to rely on a radio single because they know it's just going to be played either way. Right. So then, like, I don't need a radio single. Here's the album. Right. Listen to it. And that's, I love when it goes narrative. Like, there's a, there's a kind of a story to the album. There's stories within the songs, blah, blah, blah. So instead of, like, you know, again, just the very generic. It seems like that's a common theme of this episode of the podcast is, like, this idea of everything we can do can be like a narrative or a story, Absolutely. like what, like how you tell it and share it. Yeah, that's why I love Kendrick Lamar so much, and yeah. like and Tyler Creator, like their last couple albums, and even I think the older Tyler albums too uh, are narrative based. Like there's a story happening within the album, and that makes me super interested. Because then, like even in Good Kid, Mad City, like Swimming Pools Drank, it comes right off of a scene where he's drinking to like numb the pain of him getting beat up, and then it goes, but it's like still connected to the story. But then, of course, every second song. He'll like say, "All right, let's get back to the narrative, and I'll rap about that for a bit." I love that. I love listening to a story within the, within the uh, art pieces, which is it's so, so like because I feel like engrossed in it. I feel like I'm really a part of the art instead of just like radio single, radio single, yeah. yeah. I'm like that was cool. I maybe danced around for like a couple minutes, but like something I can go back to and just keep re-listening and keep like finding new things about. So much. It's such a great feeling. <laughs> 100%. I wanted to, uh, while we wrap up here and finish up our time, yeah. do you want to leave any advice or wisdom for people? If you had one thing to share. Just, uh, I mean, like, it's such an old thing, but, like, really just do it. Even if you just do it for yourself, even if you don't show anybody else what you're doing, just 
do it. Like, have something that you enjoy doing. And there are going to be bad days, and there are going to be days where it is literally impossible to do anything. Mm. But you at least know that when you come out of whatever you are in, there is something that is waiting for you to enjoy. Because, like, sometimes I'm in a rut. Mm. I cannot write when I'm like, cause like sometimes I'll be sad. I'm like, oh, I can use this sadness to write. And sometimes I'll be so sad I cannot even write. But I know that once I get out of that really bad part, I go, okay, I have this waiting right here for me when I get back to it. So that could be sports, writing, uh, music, um, you know, like what I do, like video editing, like just creating something yeah, for whatever, yourself. Whatever makes you tick like that. Absolutely. I think, I think that's a very important thing is just to have something that you do at the end of the day for you. It doesn't need to be for other people could eventually be but like at least have something that you're doing for yourself and that makes you happy and that like develops something you want to develop what are you excited for like in the next year and then maybe even like three years like what are you looking at in your head like where are you planning or seeing yourself going just really uh, building on my skills especially like being in this job like too with all the editing and all the stuff it's like I'm still learning new things while I'm doing the things I've been doing forever. So it's always like, I think there's never a point where you're the best at what you're doing. You're constantly, especially with technology, there's right. constantly new things coming out. So you're constantly learning new things. Um, so I'm constantly growing in what I'm doing. Um, I, yeah, I really just want to try to build a good portfolio for me and like, just keep making and yeah. creating. Eventually, maybe I'll start sending some stuff out, maybe start making some stuff. Right. But like, I at least want to know that like, I'm doing what I need to be doing in order to get where I'm going. Like, right. and I'm not just being like, oh, it'll happen. Like, I want to, I want to like be active, actually making proactive steps. Actively working towards what you're doing. Yeah. yeah That's yeah, yeah. sick. Thank you for sitting down with me for this. This was sick. No, thank you for having me, man. Yeah. And uh, everyone, you'll be hearing a lot more of Nick because, you know, like you said, he's, he's coming on the team. He's, he's actually the head right now of our marketing division and he's leading our content creation. So, uh, when you when you check us out on all of our platforms for Prismatic and he'll also be helping out with the podcast too, you'll 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 definitely be hearing and seeing more of him and I'd I'd love to have you on the show more often during the week. Too bad you can't get rid of me, I'm already here. <laughs> Facts. So yeah, no, thank you folks for listening and uh, have a great day. Peace. <laughs>